Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development, where we share original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We hope you join us often for practitioner-oriented content around all things related to leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page, and please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Austin J. Franklin about preparing students for the workplace, creating an engaged environment, and preventing the growth of the Great Resignation. Austin Franklin, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you, John. It's an honor to be here. It's a pleasure to be with you. You're joining us from Florida. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. And today we're going to be talking about preparing students for the workplace, creating an engaged environment, and preventing the growth of the great resignation. Uh, I'm a university professor. I think most longtime listeners know that. I, I mention that from time to time. Um, so I do the, the consulting work in addition to the university professorial work. And uh, being a professor, working with students, trying to help them prepare for the real world, prepare, prepare for the workplace, uh, to be able to launch a successful career. You know, that's so much of the focus of what I'm doing each and every day. And all of that's happening amidst this current climate. You know, we're in this COVID world or this post-COVID world. We're in the middle of the great resignation, the great reevaluation. Got students questioning, you know, what should I really even be going to university or should I just go straight into the workforce and get certifications along the way? You know, the, all these types of things are swirling around. And so we just have to be very proactive about really making sure our efforts are preparing students to be, as I like to say, shovel ready, ready to hit the ground running from day one, that they can be a real contributor uh, and, and, and prepare them in that kind of a way. And if we can do that, then the value that I offer at the university and my courses, I think it will, will continue to be there for students. If I don't do that, I think increasingly students will choose to, to do other things. And, and that's kind of the situation we find ourselves in. As we get started, I wanted to share Austin's bio with everybody. Austin J. Franklin is the CEO and co-founder of The Good Natured Life, an educational company that delivers exceptional keynotes, workshops, and consulting and leadership rhetoric and etiquette for youths and adults. As an internationally certified speaker, consultant, trainer, and author, Austin's life-changing workshops have helped boost the confidence of thousands and counting. As a young leader, 27 years old, Austin has the ability to truly connect and understand professionals across the country and can unpack how his life-changing workshops are helping professionals with their confidence development and leadership skills. Throughout his workshops, Austin teaches youths and adults, how to lead themselves by delivering engaging and inspirational messages that are transformational and life-changing. After Austin's messages, many see their conduct improve, leadership skills improve, mental fitness 
tighten it, uh, heighten and tighten up and realize the importance of their personal conduct and feel more confident about their future. I think that's fantastic. It's a pleasure to have you. Anything else you would like to share with me or my listeners by way of your background before we launch on in? Sure. I, I, I just want to thank you first and foremost for those uh, kind words of introduction and just want to commend you for the exemplary work that you do and you hosting this phenomenal podcast. Again, it's an honor to be on here. Well, I appreciate that. And thank you again for taking time out of your busy schedule to meet and to have this conversation. So why don't we dive in? Uh, let's start with talking about higher education. What do you think higher ed needs to be doing more of to prepare their students for the workplace? Right. So I think higher ed does an awesome job of delivering um, excellent education with subject matters. But I think at a, a more macro level, students need to understand really the core competencies in terms of the mindset necessary and the perspective necessary to in ingratiate themselves within the workforce at a higher level. At Good Nature Life, we host a summer program called the Good Nature Difference Maker Program, which really positions students to understand how to distinguish themselves from the pack. And John, as you know, with the pandemic and COVID-19, now more than ever, I would say the competition has ramped up, right? So not only are students competing with those at their respective college or within their municipality, but oftentimes domestically and even internationally for certain positions. So it's that much more critical for students to really have the insight, the skill set, and the know-how to distinguish themselves from the pack so they can make that indelible imprint and impact upon those spaces that they enter. So from our from our lens, a lot of the, the training and development for the college professional or the, or the high school or emerging leader is really understanding those necessary leadership skills, understanding those necessary etiquette and rhetoric skills in terms of communication. And obviously that can help position them to be uh, in a successful position as they enter certain jobs. As you know, certain professions have their own vernacular and have their own way of doing things from a technicality standpoint. And so it's really understand it's really important for one to understand that at a micro level, um, th those nuances, but every student could benefit from the proper mindset as they enter the workforce and 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 move forward. Yeah, thank you, and I, I agree. I, I think we need to prepare students with those mindsets. You you raise a really important point. On the one hand, the Great Resignation has put a lot of power in the hands of the labor force. Right, people have options; they can choose. Unemployment's low. Companies are struggling to get good people. Uh, and so it's pushing up wages. It, it means that, you know, a, a newly graduated college student has more options, so on and so forth. The other aspect of this is, is with the, the COVID pandemic, so many organizations moving virtual, having more distributed teams. Now we have more options than we ever had, right? So I, I live in, say, the Salt Lake City area, but if I can find a job that's virtual, I can work for any company that's headquartered anywhere. So on the one hand, that's a positive, right? Because that gives me a lot more flexibility and options. But you also raised the the other point. And that is that you're also now competing, not just with people that live in your metro area that live within commuting distance. Now you're competing with everyone all over the world, right? And so it, it's it's really interesting as we think about the, the openness and flexibility around everything Um related to the labor force and, and, and virtual and hybrid work, distributed work teams, uh, it provides an opportunity, it provides a challenge, ultimately students need to be ready for it. And just like I would say pre-pandemic, pre this movement towards virtual work, I would argue um, 
before all of this, that students need to have practical skills, competencies in place as they're leaving a university setting with a certificate or a degree uh, to be able to go and make a meaningful difference in the workforce immediately. I think now it's even more important uh, because uh, there, there are just so many options uh, to get certified, to get those credentials, to get um, uh, trained up. And, and, you know, some of that happens in university setting, which is great. And others can happen in a lot of different ways. Uh, and so, yeah, this, it just, it, it, the water has been muddied a lot uh, from a higher education perspective, but also from a labor fo force perspective. Um, and I think that's part of the challenge that organizations are, are grappling with as they're trying to um, wrestle with how to respond to the great resignation. Certainly, and you raised another interesting and, and valid point in terms of the, the positive lens of the pandemic and the opportunities being more rich because we can apply all across in terms of those positionings. But it also raises another interesting concept or, or discussion that many people are grappling with in terms of the remote working environment. Obviously, there's some students or emerging leaders who are working at the virtual jobs they might be in the Midwest, but their their company's headquartered in the East Coast. And so as a result, they may not feel the same connection and the same, I would say, camaraderie of the brand because they're in a remote environment if things are not done at the proper level in terms of the communication line with that, that headquarter company and those who are working in their own remote environment. So I think that's another um, very, very prevalent issue many companies are dealing with now. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk a little bit more about hybrid employers. How, you know, we recognize this, this situation, we recognize increased distributed teams, more virtual work. We understand the challenge with the great resignation, uh, the labor force. How can hybrid employers create more of an engaged environment for their company to try to attract great people to come in? And then once they're there to, to hang on to them. Certainly. So I think one of the biggest items is to actually know the personnel who are not, again, working at your remote or your headquartered environment. Some companies don't have a communication line or a stream of communication in terms of feedback, in terms of input ideation and those other concepts with those who are working their remote environment. They're almost clocking in, clocking out and not really in communication with many of their, their, their team members, right? And so I think that's one big concern that has occurred in some instances. Some companies got have it right and are doing it at a great scale. And that that's really the, the core the core issue and crux, I believe, in that particular situation. And, and then in terms of pivoting to retaining talent, if you look at much of the research, it's kind of interesting because you might think, you know, salary bump or, or different things of that nature might cause retention of the of the talent, but it's also rooted back to the empathy piece. It's rooted in do do I care for my employees? Do I do I care and respect and value their opinion? A lot of it is those just core virtuous human elements being inculcated within an organization that really can boost statistically the the rate of retention. Um, 
it was interesting. I found a, a study done by a, a, I forgot, some some research, or excuse me, a, a nonprofit called, I believe it was Study Finds or, or some other group. But basically the essence of the, the survey was they showed a leader who had weak empathy versus a leader who had strong empathy. Both leaders had empathy, but one was strong, one was high. And basically this was conducted with roughly a thousand employees domestically. And it just showed basically the, the the ones who had leaders with strong empathy, how they would want to stay longer, essentially work harder and do more for that brand if that if that leader really cared for who they were and, and what they brought to the table. So I think a lot of it is rooted back to do I care for my employees? Am I am I invested in them and and, and what they think? And then I really making decisions that that really are in the betterment for not just the bottom line, but also for the employees in which I lead. I mean, part of the great resignation, what what we're dealing with is uh, people just reprioritizing. They're taking time to sit back, to step back and to, to really reevaluate what's important to them. They're reprioritizing their values. And they're, and ultimately what we're, we're, what we're learning is that many people are saying, you know, a job that maybe they're willing to put up with in the past pre-pandemic after having time to reevaluate, they're, they're realizing, no, it's not something I'm willing to do anymore. Or I have different priorities. I want to go in a different direction, or I don't even want to work for a company. I want to, I want to do my own thing, right? Um, all these things are going on and every individual is different in terms of what their motives are, what their, their prioritized values are and such. But what we see in mass happening at the macro level is that people are reevaluating and choosing to leave and to do other things because their work situation doesn't align with their new priorities, their new values, or the shift, you know, that that has occurred. So how can employers stop their people from joining the great resignation? Now, obviously, we can't actually stop, but we can create an environment where people don't want to leave. How do we go about doing that? Yes, that's an interesting question, John. I think oftentimes in business practice is is quite perpetual and common to have exit interviews, right? Um, the conversations that occur when employees are leaving. But really to answer your question, how often are we inculcating state conversations, the conversations to have our employees staying, right? So I think that's really the, the crux of addressing that concern to really identify and, and have on a on an interval monthly or, or, or weekly or bi-weekly, whatever is the best rhythm for that enterprise and, and have those dialogues to see, okay, what 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 has been done right? What can we do to help out? What can be done um, to make your job easier? Those conversations, if that's done, um, one, it'll allow transparent communication and be able to make decisions to have the best practice in place for those employees to thrive in the environments they're in. And if they're able to thrive and have a sense of, of peace and, and a sense of, of help with their work, more times than not, they will be willing to, to stay in greater numbers. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, and I love your your comment about stay conversations. You have exit interviews. Can we have more stay interviews? And that doesn't need to be actually a formal thing where we see, okay, I'm scheduling a stay interview. But it's just, it's this idea that we're going to have regular check-ins with our people. That should be happening anyways. If I'm a good leader, a good manager, I should be having regular 
check-ins with my people, not to micromanage, but to be able to touch base and just see how they're doing. What can I support you in? Um, and then from time to time, bring up these sorts of things. Like what, you know, how is, how are things going in your life? Uh, what kind of support do you need? Where are your interests taking you? How do you want to, you know, like what kind of development goals do you want to set? Where do you see yourself a year from now? You know, have asking these types of questions, having these types of conversations and being open and just actually listening to them, I think are essential and they just don't happen very often. Uh, and it's not because leaders have bad intentions. I think most really do have good intentions. They want to be, you know, to, to, to be good for their people and, and provide support for their people. They just get busy. They get uh, buried in other things and they don't prioritize that essential people component in the developing and maintaining relationships with members of their team. And if I can do that, if I can really focus on making sure that I am having those regular conversations with my people, even if things aren't perfect for them, even if they're frustrated with things at work, even if they, you know, they want to try something new in their career, they're going to be much more willing to, to stick it out and to, to have conversations about how maybe they can shift their job description or the, the types of things that they do on a daily or weekly basis, they're going to be much more willing to, to engage in that kind of a process of redesigning their work to, as something that will fit better with them and their prioritized values. Then if, if, if we're aloof and we just seem distant and we, they don't feel like they can talk to us about these things, guess what they're going to do? Despite our best intentions, they're, they're just going to start looking. They're going to say, I'm not happy here. I'm not satisfied here. I'm not having the opportunities I want here. I, and I know there's lots of opportunities elsewhere. I'm going to start looking. And guess what? When they start looking, they're going to find stuff because there are so many opportunities right now. So if we want to stop you know, people, the mass exodus of people leaving, it's not actually that complicated. Um, but we have to be proactive and we have to be consistent in our efforts and, th and that's where I think many ma well-intentioned managers and leaders fall short is they just don't maintain those regular touch points to have those conversations with their people. And then people just get dissatisfied, disengaged, and unhappy with what they're doing. And of course, then they're looking to go somewhere else. Yes. And I, I think just to, to piggyback on that point, it was a, a book I was reading recently by Adam Grant called Think Again. And it basically explores one of the, the pieces he was talking about and, and rethinking. That's the premise of his book is about getting people to rethink their opinions, their, their, their strategies, things of that nature. He proposes the idea of even psychological safety. And I think that component is so key, even when we, when we think about these stay conversations and these other dynamics because a lot of times it's one thing to, to critique the people who are reporting to you, but how often are you willing to be critiqued by the people who are working essentially under you or working with you, right? So I think it's a, a, a double-edged kind of sword, if you will, in terms of really making that right environment for people to feel comfortable because I think part of that stay conversation if the employees being truthful and honest and, and they feel safe in the environment where they can really say, share their real opinion, um, it might be some harsh words or, or some subtle criticism that that leader might have to take. Um, but I think the ego has to be out of the way to really um, allow, uh, you know, again, our organizations to thrive and to really have the employees feel comfortable in wanting to stay. So I think that can be uh, another concern that, that people might have to deal with. Um, if they're if they're really trying to implement these practices. 
So ultimately, I guess it comes down to organizations have to be proactive, they have to be thoughtful, and they just have to continually make these efforts. Uh, we also need uh, parents and educators to be having conversations with their children and with the students about how to best prepare, you know, for their future careers. And we, we have to keep in mind, and I'm a parent of six children, and I have my oldest is starting college this fall. Um, and so I'm, I'm saying this out loud, thinking through it, my, to, you know, to say it to myself as much as to anyone else. But I can't just assume that what worked for me when I went through college is going to work for my daughter. Like the, the world is different now. Um, I'm obviously a believer in higher education. And so I'm, I'm glad that my daughter uh, is going to university. Um, but I, I can't say what the world will look like in the future. And I can't tell her uh, what she needs to do. And if I tried to tell her what to do, you know, she's an adult now, she, she can make her own choices. And so I'm probably just going to, um, you know, put up walls of resistance. If I, if I take that approach, what I need to do as, as an educator, uh, for my students, uh, as a father, for my children is I need to have these types of conversations. I need to help them understand the pros and cons of different approaches to career development. And as they're exploring their interests, I know with my daughter, my, my 18 year old daughter, she kind of has an idea of what she wants to do, but she's young and she's learning and she's figuring things out. And she, she, you know, chances are she will shift uh, over the coming years about what she wants to do. I know I did. I, I changed my major at university four times before settling in on something that I felt actually comfortable with. Um, and so just, just have these conversations with, with your students. If you're in a mentoring capacity as a professor, have these uh, conversations with your children as a parent, uh, help them explore the pros and cons, help them to think through, you know, how they can carve out a path and help them to realize that it doesn't need to be a perfectly linear path either. Like it's okay if they kind of meander and kind of figure things out as they go. It's okay if they zigzag and, and that's the way it is for most people. So let's not overly assert, you know, our approach on them. I think that's important. Uh, let's help, help them to have, you know, have these conversations, help them to think through things. So they just have their eyes open. Uh, and, and are aware of what they're dealing with and then, you know, support them in making the decisions that they're going to make. Yeah. I think one of the, the key components in terms of those pursuing higher ed and trying to figure out what they want to do professionally in this world. One of the big proponents that I, that I encourage students is to identify their hidden credentials. And that's a term I've coined. And basically hidden credentials are the qualities that we innately possess and develop that bridge the gap between our weaknesses in our streams. And so in other words, uh, what are those things that make us tick? What are those things that excite us conceptually and make us have fulfillment? Are those things I believe we should pursue in a profession as we move forward? And as you just mentioned, obviously, um, we may not know from the start what major, what profession that might yield itself to. But I think as you keep striving or you keep identifying and you keep working, um, sometimes the thing that you do will lead to the thing you're meant to do. And so it's just up to us to really be grounded and, under, and be introspective. I think before we analyze all the companies, analyze all the opportunities, be introspective and in what do I bring to the table? What is uniquely me? And then how can I bring that to the marketplace? And then I think in terms of the search, in terms of the major, it will be more, it will be easier um, in terms of making that transition and making that pick. Yeah, I, I do think it is easier at that point. Uh, very well said. Well, Austin, this has been a fun conversation. I, I think a lot to think about. Uh, something I'm I'm going to 
share with my daughter and, and just encourage her to listen to and to think about. And, and I think this is helpful for, for many who are young, uh, either, you know, going through their, their educational journey or, you know, entering the labor force to just think through, you know, what career development looks like and the various options that they might have. Uh, before we wrap things up for today, I just wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can connect with you and find out more about your work and then give us a final word on the topic for today. Sure. So you can connect with Good Nature Life. Uh, that's our company, Good Nature Life at goodnaturelife.com on social media platforms. And then my independent site is austinjordanfranklin.com. And you can find me on Austin J. Franklin on most so social media platforms. And my word today for, for your listeners is to continue absorbing the, the great knowledge that, that John provides with these podcasts and uh, continue to learn, continue to grow, because I think regardless of our age, that's what we must do if we're willing and we're able to, to stay up with the times that we're in. We must continue to learn and continue to sharpen our skills. So thank you so much, John, for having me. Thank you. And amen to that. We we need to be lifelong learners. We need to continually be reskilling and upskilling ourselves. So even if you're going to, you know, I have five university degrees. Um, I love, and I'm a professor, I love the university space and it's cliche, but the more I learn, the more I realize I don't know. I need to be a lifelong learner. I need to constantly be pushing my thinking. I need to be constantly developing my skills. I need to constantly be rethinking uh, my approach to the world and how I engage with people and, and various complex issues. All of that requires lifelong learning, reskilling, upskilling, not only to have a successful career, but I think just to have a meaningful, fulfilling life. So let's engage in that process. Uh, thank you, Austin. It's been a pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out and get connected. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page. And please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.